Hello and welcome to Resting Batch Face, the only reality show recap podcast where the hosts think the final bonfire from Temptation Island needed way more marshmallows. <laughs> I'm Dan Paul, joined as always by my good friend and co-podcaster Gwen Kirby. And Gwen, are you ready to say goodbye to our Temptees? Oh my goodness. I mean, now that the final barbecue has spoken, I just, there's so much to say. I cannot believe I rewatched three hours worth of Temptation <laughs> Island content this morning, frankly. A lot of questions about what I'm doing with my life, but I'm ready to talk about these these idiots. I think part of the point of reality TV is it gives us an opportunity to ask what other idiots are doing with their lives so we needn't look so squarely in the mirror. Oh, good. So this episode of our, our recap is going to recap technically three episodes, which is the final bonfires part one and two, which honestly could have been squeezed into about a, a tight 35 minutes, I think, if they were interested in doing so, Yeah. as well as the reunion special. And I want to start just like a couple of notes that I have just on the structure of the final bonfire, which for those of you who have not seen the episode is... Unlike the prior bonfires, it includes no video clips and instead just brings our couples that have been separated and tortured for a month back together to have them talk to each other and make the final decision, which in my mind, I mean, Mark Wahlberg speaks of this basically with the gravity as if he's describing the jellicle choice. He also, <laughs> he says to them, to each of them, you know, you're going to have three options to stay together, to leave the island alone or to leave the island with somebody new. As if those are not the options that you have at any point in your life always. Do I want to stay with my partner? Do I want to be alone? Or do I want to be with somebody else? And yet he, he speaks about them with this gravity as if, as if he has invented these categories of human, of human action. As well as there's this interesting like weird prisoner dilemma dynamic where it's like you've got two people and they each have their own decisions, but like, they have to be thinking about it in relation to how stupid the other one is going to make them look. And of course the producers sequence them to create maximum drama and idiocy. Anyway, it's, it's just a wonderful outdoor barbecue. Wonderful. It's good stuff. And I'm excited to talk about it. I, I feel like it both really went how I was expecting in a lot of cases and then really did not go how I was expecting in a few cases. So I'm excited to dive in. The other thing that we're going to have to get to is because, again, we have not only the final outdoor barbecues, we have the reunion special. Yes. And in some cases, those two things conflicted, as well as the fact that I will admit I have done some subsequent Instagram research. because it, Because it has been, I think at this point, at least a month since the reunion. And these human beings actually, I'm told, do go on and continue to live in the world. They're not actually just like cartoons for our entertainment. Like ostensibly somewhere in La Jolla, Corey is getting somebody their, you know, little tiny shampoos. Like the cosmic <laughs> ballet continues. So do you want to start there? They were the first couple, which is also basically the producer's way of saying the least interesting. Yes. And boy, were they right. The thing I found, or I guess the thing that I watched for with all of these final barbecues was like, how happy did they seem when they finally actually got to like hug and kiss or whatever? And these two, when they finally were like, yeah, I guess we'll leave the island with each other. They seemed even less excited than I was expecting. Like they felt doomed 
just sitting there. And I really enjoyed that Mark Wahlberg basically was like, you know, you guys are still fucked up and you're totally screwed, right? (laughs) Good luck. Have a good time. So just for a little bit of recap again for some of us, some of our listeners who don't watch the show, which I will say on the one hand makes a lot of sense because the show is itself an immense waste of time, but on the other hand makes very little sense because then it certainly makes listening to this podcast an immense waste of time. I mean, Amanda at one point says to Corey, I don't want to waste your time and I don't want you to waste my time. And I think it's safe to say that is not the mantra (laughs) of our podcast. I think we're going heavily in the other direction. So I do just want to recap this a little bit for some of our listeners who might need it. So we begin with just like a lot of reflection with people in Escalades. Like they're in the car being driven to the outdoor barbecue and they're just thinking about life and they're thinking about love. And I have to say, Amanda, sorry, Aaron, I actually have written here, Corey, Amanda, which just shows like how in the bag I am for that shit. So anyway, Corey and Aaron, Aaron is in the car and she thinks, I hate to think there's a possibility of us breaking up, but anything is always possible. And if you'll forgive an aside, it reminded me of something that San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan said last weekend because the NFL draft started this Thursday and the 49ers were in a position to draft a new quarterback, which is basically the closest thing to Temptation Island in that like the coach and quarterback are linked together in a very kind of like lovers kind of way. Like it's a very emotional relationship that's at the core of the entire franchise. And he has a current quarterback Um, somebody who actually kind of looks like he could be on a reality show and frankly currently dates a porn star is my understanding named Jimmy Garoppolo. So Kyle Shanahan, the coach was asked if Jimmy Garoppolo will still be on the team in a week, meaning like, are you going to draft a new partner? Are you going to draft a new quarterback? And Kyle Shanahan said, I mean, I can't guarantee that any of us are going to be alive in a week. (laughs) I don't know how I could possibly comment on this, which on the one hand is like, just like taking stupid coach speak to the extreme. Like I'm not going to answer questions about hypotheticals. On the other hand is like profoundly nihilistic and like really, really dark. So as Arid was in the back of the Escalade being like, you know, I hate to think there's a possibility of us breaking up, but I suppose anything is possible. I was, I was thinking of, I was thinking of Kyle Shanahan. Oh, wow. Well, all right. I mean, and then, then we get to the barbecue. Corey goes first and, you know, he he does all the hand-waving you're supposed to do about how he's been on a journey of self-discovery and he, um, you know, he's he's not going to let her walk all over him anymore and he knows his worth. Uh, the whole time I felt like his expression said, am I saying the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be saying? Is Aaron enjoying this? It was it was not the bonfire of a man who who was a newly liberated concierge. He was talking kind of the way that happens like at the end of the action movie when like the person has gone through their Campbell arc and they're now like completely powerful because they've already failed and they've learned to process that failure. And maybe it's just that I've seen the new Mortal Kombat movie twice in the last 48 hours. (laughs) But it actually struck me that there, there are a lot of similarities between like a very basic hero's journey plot, rags to riches, and what Corey was trying to project. The problem is that he's so bad at communicating. Like he's the worst actor just at being himself, like just at acting like he actually believes the things he's saying about his journey and his confidence. It was also reminded me, he said, you know, I was scared you were going to leave the island with him, meaning Griffin, but I began a journey of self-discovery. And it it made me think of just the lyrics of I will survive. (laughs) Just like, 
Corey just being like, you know, I used to cry, but now I hold my head up high. And it's like, I'm, I'm glad that you've, you've apotheosed young concierge, but I don't know. He's tried to apotheose and I, I didn't even believe it in the moment. And we'll, we'll get to the reunion. And then, you know, Erin has her side. She says, I'm suffering so much. I have so much pain in me and I'm taking it out on you. I thought I was perfect. A lot of people here, like with the, I thought I was perfect. I don't, I, it worries me that people are going through the world thinking they're perfect. That's a whole nother issue. She talks about abuse, her best friend dying, all of which is bad, but you know, we've talked about it extensively, but they just both looked like dead behind the eyes. Yeah. I don't think that like, the line, as much as I'm scared of losing you, you should be scared of losing me, is really the foundation of a healthy relationship. Like, what if nobody's scared of the other? Like, what if we remove fear and we're just like, there's some joy, maybe, maybe love. I mean, honestly, the most basic level, I was, I was, I was listening to these two people talk and I was like, like, what are your conversations like? Like when you're sit or sitting around, like watching The Bachelor or something stupid, like, what do you talk about when you're not talking about how one of you has no confidence and the other one has too much confidence. Like what's, what is board game night like at the Corey Aaron household? And I mean, every single one of these interactions, I just like, I keep seeing what it looks like when Julian and Kristen finally come together. And like, I mean, we're going to get to that, but just like the love that you can like literally feel between them radiating off the television. And you watch these two people who who seem to think that they are not in a relationship, but in a hostage situation. Blink twice if you would like to both just go your separate ways and never speak again. <laughs> yeah, or like maybe like if they were both actors in a, in a really important TV show, well, important is a strong word, like a popular <laughs> TV show, and they played like the male and female leads respectively. And like this is like a behind the scenes conversation about whether they both want to stay on a show. That's the kind of thing that's going on. It's like they're... Like it would make more sense if they had like children or something or they ran a business and they're like, do we want to go through all this to stay together? And it's like, they're working really hard to preserve something that there is no need whatsoever to preserve. And I hate, again, I hate when I'm forced to say something like I agree with Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> but he says, and I love, I can't do it. I'm probably going to cut this, but like his Mark Wahlberg voice where he says like, you know, my fear, knowing both of you. <laughs> he gives a little cadence, you know, is that you're going to get back to the real world and you're going to yell at him and he's going to cower. He says, I'm concerned. And I was like, <laughs> I'm concerned too, Mark Palmer, because I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, if you cut that section, we're fighting. That was a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant impersonation. And I want to empower you to be confident. Um, you. you're, you're, you're a catch as an impersonator and you deserve you deserve to keep that. So let's just talk about, let's get to the, the reunion because for those of you, again, who didn't watch the episode in at the reunion. I mean, all kinds of shit is popping off. So basically at the point of the reunion, it sounds like they're broken up because a, there is this question of whether or not Corey actually hooked up with Amanda, which just bizarrely seems like Corey told Aaron that he did hook up with Amanda after lying for a long time and saying he didn't. And Amanda insists that they didn't hook up, but the one who says they did hook up is Shaq. Can you clarify this confusion? I got nothing. I I mean, it, somehow, 
how is Shaq the expert on what happened at the thing he was not there for? I mean, so he says Amanda texted him that she hooked up with Corey. Why she would be texting Shaq to tell him that, I don't know. Amanda vehemently denies it. She says, you're a piece of shit <laughs> um, to Shaq. And it sounded like I couldn't even really figure out what Corey had lied about. So like he'd he'd said that they hadn't hooked up and that he hadn't been talking with Amanda. And then Aaron was like, but only yesterday, suddenly I find out like that's not true. It was a mess. It was deeply incoherent. And it's also, I will say, this is where I kind of want a little bit more from the producers. Like if you're going to throw this drama bomb at us in the reunion, can you cut it up in such a way that it is in any way clear what the hell is going on? But anyway, I will say subsequently from Instagram posts, it seems as if Corey and Aaron are back together, which like... Why? Yay? No, not yay. I mean, I... They look miserable together. uh, At this point, like, cut your losses. I guess where I'm at with them, honestly, I had a kind of wave of clarity from the two of them. Clarity? In the reunion special. Clarity was nice, which is that I remembered kind of how I felt on the first episode, which is to say, these people are all idiots. And I think we've been distracted by Corey's sweet, stupid fish face. And we've been distracted by like the legitimate pathos of Kristen and Julian and the like the righteous self-discovery of Erica. And we have forgotten how many of these people just suck. And where I am at the end of this episode is I think Corey just kind of sucks. And I think Aaron just kind of sucks. And they kind of suck together. And like, you know what? Like I am comfortable just... I used to play this game with a friend of mine in high school where every once in a while, like this is after high school and every once in a while, you just like, one of you would just say to the other one, Hey, do you remember this person? And then you just be like, Whoa, that person is out of my universe. (laughs) And you just take a moment just reflecting on the peace that comes with that person who at one point was within your universe, no longer being there. And I'm going to say like, I'm cool putting Corey and Aaron just into the universe game and just being like, you know what? They're out of my universe. It's over. And Corey, despite the fact that, you know, he seems happier with Amanda and this stuff with Aaron seems like nonsense. Like at a certain point, like he's just dumb. Just it's over. Just fuck it. I mean, that's fair enough. I, I left that reunion episode being like, well, I don't like either of you very much anymore. And I don't really care what you do. Make better choices. I did think maybe they were done. But that was clearly just my optimism causing me to think they might make good decisions. Now, I will say, because I want you to go on record, I want a blood pact on this podcast. Because the last time you had an opportunity to interact with an idiot from a reality show that we both watched, you did not go to that dude with the man buns (laughs) restaurant in L.A. This is what I, I want your promise. If you find yourself whilst visiting home in San Diego, proximate to Corey and or Aaron in their La Jolla goings on, you got to promise me that you are going to talk to them and you're going to, you're going to find out just like what it was really like on the Island. All right. Well, you have my word. Should I run into Corey or Aaron in San Diego? I will attempt to say hello to them. And if you do not, then that will be a betrayal. betrayal. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, Let's pivot to team betrayal because, uh, again, I, I, think, yeah. I think we can all agree that Kendall and Erica and then Julian and Kristen have more juice. Yeah, no, concur. So, I mean, Tom is in, in, the, in the car going to the final barbecue, and he says, quote, the most important thing I want to convey to Chelsea 
is that I feel betrayed. And Tom, you have conveyed that to America over and over so and this, over again. This made me think of two things, one of which is much longer than the other. The first is the moment in the film Underworld in which Bill Nye's character screams at Kate Beckinsale's character, you have broken the covenant and you must be judged. And the other, it is now only now occurring to me, also involves Kate Beckinsale in a film, this time in Much Do About Nothing, when um, Robert Sean Leonard's character, Count Claudio, who is going to marry Kate Beckinsale's character, Hero, believes that she is in fact not a virgin, which there is no greater violation. Um, and he throws a fuss fit about this. And this is, I'm imagining in Tom's voice, behold how like a maid she blushes here. Oh, what authority and show of truth can cunning sin cover itself with all? Comes not that blood as modest evidence to witness simple virtue. Would you not swear all that you see her that she were a maid by these exterior shows? But she is none. She knows the heat of a luxurious bed. Her blush is guiltiness, not modesty. And then saying directly to Chelsea, you seem to me as Diana in her orb, as chaste as in the bud ere it be blown. But you are more intemperate in your blood than Venus or those pampered animals that rage in savage sensuality. This is what I was thinking when, when Tom was throwing his final fuss bit about the betrayal of Chelsea having like one kiss with this dumbass dentist. Uh, on an island he brought her to called Temptation Island. I mean, I swear, if Tom in his talking head said the words rules or agreements one more time, I was going to climb through my television and kill him. He got my whiny little bitch stamp of, I don't even know what, not of approval, but he, he won my whiny little bitch award at his bonfire. Chelsea got my award for actually seeming like she was not on television, when she basically like She's talking about her journey. She's talking about her process. She's talking about her growth. And then it just a mass slips. And she's just like, I didn't want to come here. I cannot believe we are here because I didn't want to come here. Which I think is like the most compelling. Like that for me was it. It was like, yeah, Tom, she didn't want to come here. You made her come. Then you smacked a bunch of booty. And then she like kissed Blake because she was annoyed at you. If you watched the show afterwards, hopefully he saw they have the chemistry of like two wet napkins being pressed together. It did raise the question for me though, what is the worst thing that Andrew has ever dragged you to? I will say for me, the worst thing that I have ever dragged Brett to was river rafting, <laughs> which like I did not realize when I booked this as part of our trip in Alaska that she was just like, terrified of open water and then the worst thing that she ever dragged me to was the chernobyl no not what is it called yeah the chernobyl diaries what is that it's just a terrible horror movie set in chernobyl and then the worst thing you ever dragged me to <laughs> was like multiple mfa readings some of which were by accident i thought you were gonna say the half marathon <laughs> oh yo that sorry i forgot that though you yeah that's that trauma is so ingrained that i haven't even thought about it that's lovely. Why can I not think of anything? I don't know that Andrew really drags me to much. I feel like I've probably dragged him to way stupider things than he's he's dragged me, including a number of MFA readings, as you say, intentional and accidental. Making you go to that MFA reading in New York was maybe one of my low points. It's okay. You you we we all do what we do. So I will say my favorite moment 
and I think it frankly redeems the Tom and Chelsea couple, is just the moment where Tom is speaking in Temptation Island nonsense about trying to fully explore and himself and his growth and his process. And Chelsea, Chelsea does a, a gesture, a full gesture of squeezing a butt and then three smacks to it. And she says, did you need to fully explore a butt? Have you never touched a butt before? And I have to say, it was everything I thought it could be. I mean, that encapsulates the end of their bonfire, basically. They just like take bickery, cheap shots at each other. And then literally my final notes on them are, they leave together, the world scratches its head, Mark has no words. So here's all I'm going to say about this. Because um, I actually, I was trying to think, but first I was like, wait, what? Because the way it went is Chelsea says, I came in with trust issues and now it's worse. Tom says, same. <laughs> Mark says, what are you going to do? And they both say, we're going to stay together. Which like, <laughs> again, as you say, wait, what? But so I'm not going to say they're cute. I, I really do think they're awful, awful. I was actually trying to, I, it was occurring to me that the vibes that I actually get from them are sort of like the older brother from the corrections and his like mean controlling wife. Mm. But I will say the two of them in the moment that they decided to be together, both looked so fucking relieved. And I think both of them were easily the most stressed out people on this island. Like at least for like dumb shit. I mean, again, Kristen and Julian seem like human beings. And so I don't even want to like include them in this conversation. Like both of these people just look like they had finally just quit jobs that they hated. And so again, I don't like them. I don't want to hang out with them at brunch, but they both looked so relieved that I was like, okay, I'm happy for both of you. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. If we're like looking at the happy to be together O-meter, they're blowing Aaron and Corey out of the water. I will say a question that I have is so Tom says, you're going back to the villa with me tonight. And I'm literally thinking like, which villa? And then also, I mean, mild spoiler, like, does that mean that like Kendall and Alexis are just there for coffee in the morning too? And it's like Kristen and Julian sitting around with Tom and Chelsea and Kendall and Alexis. I like wondered one of these that ones too. is not like the other one. I was like, wait, like, do the do we do we just like stuff them all back on that yacht we saw in like the opening episode and they all have to like go back together? I guess I pictured them all being like permanently sequestered from one another from that point forward, but so I do have some thoughts about the reunion, but I do have to start here. What is your take on Chelsea's new hair and the dress she was wearing? Oh, one hates to speak ill of a fellow woman's wardrobe choices, but that pink outfit was confusing. It took a very beautiful woman's body and made it look really weird. It made her boobs look like they'd gotten like two times bigger than they were during her time on the island. It was, it reminded me a little bit of the costumes that like the flight attendants wear in the fifth element where they're like, <laughs> it, was just, it, was, yeah. it was not, it was not good. Her style game was, was not on point. And then she went from, you know, what had been, what she had been just, it seems like a natural brunette who mostly wore her hair just like in a ponytail on the island to like bleach blonde, like blonde, like permed or something. Like I couldn't quite tell. It was like straightened, wasn't it? I don't know. She had really cute hair on the island and this, a lot of them in their reunion looks looked way worse. Like Amanda looked like, like what was going on with that? She looked so different and like way less cute than she looked the whole time on the island i didn't recognize her honestly it looked like both her and kendall had gone to the same barber which is to say like their hair that had had volume had been turned into flat plastic 
But anyway, getting to the meat of Chelsea and Tom at the reunion, I will say there was a great moment for Pasta Tom, who had faded from my memory for the most part. But he's up there just like, like just seeming to be pretty entertained that he's on television at all. And he he raises the point, you know, because he had originally said like he must have brought her to the island to try to break up with her. And he goes, now I don't think that. But there are other things you can do. Like you could get a dog move in together. Like I'm not sure that this island is really like the best thing. And again, Pasta Tom is a prophet yep. in that moment. Pasta Tom is speaking truth. I mean, you could just, it was the look of a man who was like, man, if Blake was here, I wouldn't even be up here. But like, he's not. So I guess I get to like say my piece. He just seemed like he was enjoying himself. Uh, I just watching the two of them together and the way that they were talking about relationships Chelsea and Tom, they're like, it's work. You know, it's a lot of work. But all relationships are work. And I'm like, you know, my friend, they're not this much work. Or they yeah. they shouldn't be. How do you have time to, like, have a life if you're doing this much work on just not killing the person you cohabitate with? Here's my honestly biggest question. Because one of two things is true and both seem impossible to me. Either A, did Tom not fuck Sophia? Or B... Is Chelsea just cool with Tom fucking Sophia? Or C, did she not think he did? He said he didn't. And she just hadn't seen the final episode yet? Because, I mean, what? I was so confused. I thought my expectation for reunion was going to be that at the final barbecue, Tom is like dragging Chelsea over the coals. Oh my God, the contract betrayal. And then the reunion was going to be her opportunity to be like, you fed me all that bullshit and you had just fucked Sophia. Like, let's have a fight about it. Instead, like Sophia never even speaks. There was no like, how do you feel about this, Sophia? What? Like she just like sat up there. She said way less than pasta Tom. What the fuck is, what the fuck was going on? I will say, I think Sophia gets the retroactive Alexis award. Yeah. I will say from combing Sophia's Instagram, she at the very least is like advertising for a lot of makeup. And again, I don't know how well compensated she's being for it, but like she had the look of someone up there who could not give less of a shit about Tom or Chelsea or any of that. And was just like, I look cute on TV. I'm selling... I'm selling um, some makeup, whereas Alexis seems like she is ready to go to the dark side. Alexis seemed heated. Sophia seemed like she was like, I got another thing in an hour. Like, is this going to be over by then? <laughs> no, she was done. Yeah. I was just shocked that Chelsea, I don't know, as you say, I didn't watch the last episode or doesn't care or he swears nothing happened. I Maybe it didn't. Maybe they certainly not. were acting as if it didn't. But like, they certainly, I mean, there's that line where it's like, do you want to go to bed? And I, I guess maybe they just wanted to go to bed. I mean, I will say I'm old enough that a lot of the time when I'm just like, hey, do you want to like go to bed? It's like, yeah, like, let's, <laughs> let's go, go to bed. bed. <laughs> like nothing sounds sexier than just like, do you want to be asleep in seven to eight minutes? Yeah. Amen. Uh I mean, that was not the vibe I had gotten from them, but also obviously like producers try to make it look like there's sex happening because that's, I don't know, more exciting television. But no, this didn't pan out the way that I thought it was going to. And I could imagine Chelsea and Tom staying together ridiculously. Uh, did, did their Instagrams tell you anything? I think they're still together. I mean, again, they just, they like Corey and Aaron to a certain extent. 
as I saw them here, it's just like, I don't really like either of you. I don't like you together, but I don't really like you apart. And as much as you had this magical romantic montage about that time, you talked to Blake about snowboarding <laughs> again, relief that they both felt when they were back together. I was like, all right, like couple up and let's not think about it. Like, it's like, again, I don't know a lot about chemistry, but like there are certain kinds of atoms that are individually immensely unstable, but then they just like bond. And then they like, you don't think about them. Like they go away. Right. Like one could be like something could be immensely poisonous on its own. And then it bonds with something and it becomes immediately inert. And I feel like these two are like immensely toxic individuals who bond and become inert to the extent that I will never think about either of them again, except the next time I watch underworld and or much ado about nothing. I mean, that was amazing. The much ado about nothing quote. That was like, that was cash money gold for the situation. And just made me upset that that dude who says that monologue ends up getting hero at the end of the play. Fuck him and his patriarchal bullshit. Speaking of patriarchal bullshit. It's pretty jacked to have him at the end too. I guess it's because it's a comedy. I get, yeah. It's like, don't. Was that the 1600s? When is Shakespeare writing? uh, Yeah, the the late 1500s to early 1600s. When Kirby... Gwen Kirby is just as disinterested in historical relativism as she is in horse riding <laughs> and scuba diving. I'm allowed to be pissed off about the patriarchy no matter what century it was happening in, Dan. Fair enough. And as a nice way, obviously, a segue to talking about Kendall, we do actually, not only do we get a reader comment this week, we actually got a reader poll. Um, and by reader, I mean listener. Um, <laughs> this is from... This is from Emily Rose Cole in a place called Cincinnati, Mm. who we obviously have never met. And she submitted a poem titled Portrait of Kendall as George fucking Wickham, which for those of you who who do not know is a Pride and Prejudice reference. He's a douchebag in Pride and Prejudice. He is indeed a a douchebag in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, honestly, I mean, if she had submitted a poem called Portrait of Kendall as Jesus Christ. My suspicion <laughs> is we would not be reading it aloud on this podcast. This is a pretty anti-Kendall space, which is to say it occupies reality. Yeah. So I, I will read this. I will read this poem and then we will pivot to talking about just our last, our last dance with Kendall. Oh, charmless archetypal fuckboy. I want you to know that in my imagination, you wear white trousers and a bright button militia coat that looks phenomenally stupid on you. I too have fallen for the nonsense of men like you. That's why the story turns so easily on your heel. Centuries of women have fallen and been gored on your jagged ego. Enough. May your unrelenting mediocrity one day occur to you. May it gape through your life like the absence of flattering search results after every potential date from this day on Googles your name and understands with immediate certainty whose story you serve. I mean... Snap, snap. So thank you. Thank you, anonymous listener, whom we have never met. But I think that's a pretty good way to get into Kendall. And I mean, again, this is, I don't anticipate we're going to see Kendall again. I, I don't know that Kendall is, is, there is no Temptation Island version of Bachelor in Paradise. No. Um, thank God. So, so let's just jump into it really with just, as always, just Kendall with the poetry. Kendall outdoes himself. He's in the, the Escalade going to the bonfire. My goal is not to come in and apologize. I'm going to see a lot. I'm going to have to see a lot out of Erica 
to feel like we can make our relationship work. Oh my so I can't get through it. God. I can't get through it without cracking up. I, mean, I literally, so I watched this show before Dan does. I watch it live. And I could not resist sending him one of Kendall's lines prior to the barbecue, which was, and I quote, listeners, and I quote, having a threesome showed that I was fully committed to this island experience. Hashtag no rules. Kendall, Kendall, so hard in the finale. It is Listen, worrying. I just think that it's, I mean, look, we never want to make really terrible comparisons. But on the other hand, like, there is a part of me that would be entertained if it turned out that at his trial, like Eichmann or something, had said, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I mean, oh, if God. that's not a perfect defense, what is? I mean, he certainly thinks that's a great defense. He, yeah. yeah, I mean, he goes in just being like, I mean, I, do you agree, Dan? I think he 100% thought Erica was leaving with him. I agree, especially because, I mean, there are just a couple, I mean, as much as we're making fun of him and how terrible he is, there are some really classic abuser mannerisms going on in oh, this yes. discussion. I would say first, like, and we love Erica, we are immensely pro-Erica, and it's just not a criticism of Erica in any way, because Erica, I think, comes off as very strong. And I actually weirdly think Temptation Island is a good setting for her, because I think it would have been very hard for her to say the things she said to him if there were not, like, ten very strong men with cameras, and Mark Wahlberg, who, in a bizarre way, is, like, the moral authority of the universe, at least within the universe, that she was in. Like, she was not alone. She really wasn't. I mean, like, it was making me think, like, this is actually an argument for shit like Jerry Springer. Like, it just creates a weird physical space that, however bizarre it is and absurd and manipulative and exploitative, like, literally just creates a, a literally safe space for victims of abuse to stand up for themselves. And it was like, you could see that there was an aspect of her sort of, like, shaking as she kind of said these things. And then, of course, him at the end basically, Ugh. like refusing to accept what she's saying and like kept trying to kiss her. I mean, very, very, very gross. Oh, and like he wouldn't let her go. I mean, I felt so like visceral. I mean, Dan can see I'm like holding onto my upper arms. I felt just like so viscerally uncomfortable watching it and thinking like how this would go if she were alone, if she tried to break up with him when she was by herself, I don't think he would let her leave. Like, it was just literally because he was being filmed. It was very distressing to watch. I will say, though, I mean, it did offer all of the typical pleasures of a Kendall interaction, which is to say he speaks in just utter nonsense as he tries to justify his absurd behavior. So she asks, and I don't know if you had any experience like this in, in a workshop or a thesis defense, just like where you get hit with just the hard-hitting question. How do you feel like sleeping with two people helped you open up emotionally? <laughs> and on the one hand, I really, you know, enjoyed the stupidity of his responses, which we can go over. It was, quote, a poor decision on my part. I, quote, lost a piece of myself early on, which makes sense from the standpoint of, like, how horcruxes are formed. For those of you who are who are Harry Potter fans, um, he says he stayed up every night, which I sort of believe, considering mechanically, I think it would be hard to sleep in a bed in the middle of two other women. I mean, again, assuming that you only got like a queen size, but the thing that was mildly disappointing is like, obviously he knows he's going to have to answer this. And I almost wish that like he had been just much, maybe this is my debate background. I just wish he'd been prepared. 
Like, I just wish it had been like, she says, so how do you feel like sleeping with two people helped you open up emotionally? And his response had been, excellent question. I have four answers and here they are. <laughs> Instead of just like more Kendall nonsense. I mean, he had nothing. I, I mean, in part because there's, there's nothing to say, you know, when you're saying things like, oh yeah, Alexis really forced me to dig deep. You're like to dig deep into her vagina. Like, what do you, <laughs> what are you talking about? You're so full of shit. And you know, he just, he just looks flummoxed that there are consequences. And I think it's just clearly because he has successfully cheated on and gaslit this woman so many times that he just like, it has not occurred to him that it's harder to do when the threesome has been taped and aired nationally. She says, I'll be leaving by myself. And he says, interesting. Are you sure? And then after that sort of disgusting kind of like clinging on to her, he then sits down and he goes, I guess I'll leave the island with Alexis. And the question that I have written down here is, Gwen, has anyone ever been so romantic with you? <laughs> I mean, he's like, and I quote, might as well try something new and see what's up. Like, <laughs> I will say a boy in high school did claim that he'd made me a mixtape with songs that made him think of me. And it turned out he'd given that same mixtape with the exact same songs to my best friend a few months prior. I think he thought we would not realize that. That was pretty, that was, no, that was way more romantic than Kendall. And then Alexis watches out and like, she's wearing this blue dress that like really pushes her boobs up. And he's just looks at her and he's like, yes, what's up? I was just like, oh, I need a shower after watching the end of Kendall's bonfire. I will just say in defense of this this kid in high school, there is a Chuck Klosterman essay kind of on that subject where he talks about making mixtapes and in particular how you could have the same songs for two people that you kind of have radically specific emotions for. And yet that same song feels like it's deeply applicable, which he then, I think the next line is something like, People underestimate the extent to which things that are immensely trivial can actually be immensely emotionally resonant. And that's why nobody is deconstructing Saved by the Bell. And then he goes on to do exactly that. I will say I don't think Klosterman was advocating the identical mixtape <laughs> for, for, two, for two different girls. But it was a different time. Different now it's time. just playlist. Different time. I will say my one final thought about the bonfire was that Kendall and Alexis leaving in the van together had like very big ending of the graduate vibes for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. I look forward to that, to that, that um, reboot of the graduate starting Kendall and Alexis. Um, though he doesn't strike me as somebody who would actually like scream and, and slam on glass. No. He just. No. Yeah. But yeah. um, you just be like, hey, Mrs. Robinson. What's up? What's up? That's what's up. This was, I think there's an argument to be made that too much of the reunion was spent on Kendall and Erica, but at the, particularly on Kendall. Um, Casey Campbell, who is kind of the Erica character on season one of Temptation Island, tweeted at some point, like, just enough of this dude. Like, he had his moment in the sun as a reality TV villain. TV villain. Like, let him exit. Let's not come back to this. But I will say some of this was immensely satisfying. And I I have to start with the prince we were promised, the true hero of Temptation Island, the one who had the greatest journey for me was Nicole. 
who went from being stupid like a fox to ending with the single greatest line in the history of Temptation Island when she says to Kendall, I think you fucked up in your journey. (laughs) (laughs) Which I would like on a t-shirt, please. Let's please make that happen. I would wear the shit out of that t-shirt. Man, Kendall also, he has a line in the reunion. He says, look, I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I'm not afraid to take an L. And I'm going to love the next person more than ever, which had strong, like, early reject to American Idol, like, vibes to it. Like, that person just, like, running out being like, y'all don't know about me. Like, you have no idea who you just turned down. Like, I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to make it bigger than any of you. Yeah, very, like, you know, when you get your rejection from Spicy Unicorn Magazine and you write back (laughs) being like, you don't know the writer you just turned down. I'm going to publish this in The New Yorker. Um, Tragically for Kendall, um, this is all being aired on television. So I don't know how it's going to affect his future dating prospects. Um, Also, what the hell is going on with his, like, pseudo mustache? He needs to really rethink. There were a lot of bad fashion decisions made on this reunion, and that was one of them. I mean, Kendall would suggest, I will say, the somehow the weirdest Kendall line of the whole season, which is saying something, comes in the reunion when he's talking about Erica and Jesse. And he says, if you go to the grocery store and you're hungry, you're going to get peas even if you don't like peas. And Jesse's reaction, just like, what the fuck are you even talking about, was all of us. Like, I think what he was trying to say is he was trying to suggest that Erica was not into Jesse, but just that she was really hungry, I guess inadvertently, because Kendall had starved her for love. And so she would eat whatever. And in this case, Jesse was the peas. (laughs) But I just like, sometimes you got to let the metaphor go. Like, I would say Kendall's great gift as an orator is speaking in just like completely indecipherable signifiers that you know that he's talking about fucking somebody, but there's plausible deniability. And with the peas, I I think, I don't think similes are his strength. No, I think not. Also, I have never been really hungry and snacky in a grocery store and been like, God, you know what I could just really go for? Some peas. Like that's not the kind of bad shopping. Like now, like Fritos, we got a different, story going on but he's not so much he's such a douchebag about the jesse thing i mean he's like trying to slut shame erica about having kissed jesse and it's like you had a threesome on national television i will say mark Wahlberg has this moment where he's like saying he feels bad for kendall and he's like somebody hurts you i know somebody hurts you to make you like this and i was like this is how we get into situations like with the fucking star wars prequels like, at a certain point, you don't need to know the origin story of Darth Vader. Um, I mean, Patton Oswalt has the kind of, I think, the best explanation of, of this in one of his stand-up bits where he's saying, like, it, look, you know, just because you like ice cream doesn't mean you need a bag of rock salt. Just because you think Angelina Jolie is hot doesn't mean you need a picture of John Boyd's ball sack. Like, yeah. origin stories are not always relevant. And again, at a certain point, I just don't care what somebody did to Kendall to make him like he is. And, you know, Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg, I, I get you're trying to be the therapist always because, of course, that's where your background is, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was not interested in Kendall's tale of woe for why he is, like, an abusive jackass. I will say, I, 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 just, I, like, I don't understand Kendall. I Like, there's the moment where, like, it's the lead-in, everyone's kind of fucking with the mics, like, it's not interview time yet, per se. And he leans over to Alexis and he's like, you really thought I disrespected you? And Alexis looks at him and she's like, yeah. (laughs) 
Like, what? And it's just like, he... I mean, if, if this journey is to increase self-awareness, Kendall is not even on that bus. Yeah. Um, are not default the two sweetest words in the English language. But I will say, like, Alexis, on the one hand, like, gets the award for clarity. Just being like, like, Mark Wahlberg's like, do you have any regrets how it ended? And she's like, I regret that it ever started. But at the same time, like, I, when I think back upon this, if we're giving cumulative awards... The award for what even in the fuck goes to Alexis. Because like the way she was in the reunion, which I found like compelling and didn't seem like a front, was just like disgusted to be back in the same room as this fucking psycho. And it's just weird for me to like fold that back. Like I, I, I struggle to believe that even in the splendor of the island, she didn't see through him. So I just, I do not know what to make of her at all. She's the person I would most want to have an honest conversation over drinks with. And if she were on the one hand, just like, yeah, I was trying to do some Instagram shit and whatever, like it was fine. And then I just saw how terrible he was and I had, I couldn't, I couldn't even continue with it. Like maybe, but I, it's confusing to me. I was confused too. I thought, I don't know, maybe her pride is hurt. I, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't look good when you watch it. He's clearly just like, he's stringing her along. But like, on the other hand, like he's not stringing, like she knows exactly where she is and what she's doing. So I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I agree with you. She seemed genuinely like disgusted, which I, I don't know if I had had sex with Kendall, I would feel disgusted too. But I, I was surprised. Unlike Nicole, who just looked like a really happy puppy who got to go on stage, like maybe her and Pasta Tom need to get drinks later and just talk about how fun that was for both of them. But Alexis just looked like fucking horrified. So I have to share a favorite anecdote from graduate school. And it seems pretty unlikely that the person that I'm shading is listening to our podcast. But even if he is, frankly, he seemed so oblivious that I doubt he would even remember that this anecdote was about him. So we were in a class about the history of the novel, and we were discussing Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, which is pretty violent. And one person in class said just the utterly insane tone deaf thing. Like, does anybody think perhaps that this book is challenging heteronormativity because of all the sodomy? And for those of you who have not read Blood Meridian, said sodomy is unconsensual, to say the least. Yeah. And this other tone-deaf person in the class, in a moment of just just dawning comprehension, and this person, by the way, was not 11 years old. This person, I think, believe was in his 40s, said, as if just like a remarkable rebuttal, I don't know. I, I don't think that rape is about sex. I think it's about power. And it was as if this little light bulb went over his head and it was this just like beautiful moment where this guy became like 5% less misogynistic. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think Nicole's moment when she says, I think you fucked up your journey was this moment of just dawning comprehension. Like, I don't actually think just fucking everybody on TV is really the best way for self-improvement and personal spiritual growth. And it was a beautiful I mean, moment. When the clouds part, when that shaft of light shines down. I was I was in that graduate class with Dan. It was a magical, baffling moment. 
It's like, oh Jesus Christ. No such no such cloud parting and shaft of light happened for Kendall. He is he is still zero percent more woke than he was when this journey started. Unless the beam of light explains why his hair appeared to have melted and fused with his scalp in the time since he left the island. Well, let's let's end with some good news. And Yay. you know, Julian and Kristen, for those of you who don't watch and were, you know, a little on edge, like He's planning to propose. She's unsure about the relationship. Where is this going to go? The short answer is that it's going to go well, and it's going to lead your two perhaps ridiculous podcast hosts, <laughs> like, actually crying watching them. Where do, where do you even want to start this? I, I honestly didn't even write any notes, and I honestly didn't even rewatch it because I didn't want to just, like, cry before we podcasted. Yeah, I got all like choked up again over my breakfast croissant. It was frankly <laughs> extremely embarrassing for me. You know, just rewatching it, you know, they're, they're the only couple that hugs before they even start. Julian kind of holds her hand so that she can take her step up onto the seat, which as a woman who's not very great in heels, I appreciated that gesture. He did the same thing when she when she got down. They're both so nervous. She holds his hand while he like does his little speech. I mean, it's just, they love each other. They, you know, you're watching a couple who's known each other since they were kids be together. And it's, you know, uh, God. And then Kristen talks about like how his behavior and her brother's behavior was like the same. She says, I knew you guys loved me, but you just kept hurting me, which was just fucking devastating. And then they agree to be together and you're like, oh, thank God. I did think it was very smart of Aquaman to have them leave together and then get to the like special roses proposal. Like that was handled so well. And I was so nervous, ridiculously. I know this is a stupid show, but like this is not a stupid relationship. And I was I was legit worried and I thought he handled it really well. I couldn't agree more. And if you compare it to the idiot from last season, again, I think his Ugh. name was Casey, who his relationship is falling apart. She's, I think, hooking up with some dude named Ben. And he's like, I know what's going to solve this. I'm going to just propose to her before she even has a chance to say anything. This is the opposite of that. This is like, are we good? Are we cool? Let me say some things. We're leaving the island together. Okay, let me lead you to this area with rose petals and propose. I did have one snarky remark, which is, do you think they reused the rose petals from one of the, like, Blake's outdoor bed for Chelsea <laughs> or perhaps, um, I think it was Kendall's bed for Eric, for Alexis? Are you saying has Kendall had sex on those roses? I think there's <laughs> always a possibility of that. I guess what we'll find out. We'll find out if, you know, Kristen and Erica, sorry, Kristen and Julian's baby ends up being demonic. <laughs> but we'll... we'll Wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally have my notes here. I like that he waited for her to say she wants to be with him until proposing, which is weird that, like, that's a bar to hurdle. <laughs> but has been set very low by past contestants. We are on Sensation Island. And, it, I mean, look, it's super cute. It's super cheesy. At the reunion, they're not even there. I mean, good for them. And it's just like, good for we, them. we get them on video, but we also get their families together on video, just being like, we love these kids so much. We get like literally pictures from like their yearbooks. Cause like you're saying, they've been together for like 11 years. We get to see baby Aquaman, who's still giant. Still giant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this dude was, rec- I mean, he played division one football. He played tight end. Um, this dude oh, was, that doesn't this, surprise me. This dude, he played for Southern Mississippi. I looked, I looked this up and I have seen some highlights of him. Um, he's pretty nimble. 
he's pretty nimble as a tight end. I don't know if he, it's tough because I, I, I don't know if he sustained an injury or just like, even though he looks like the biggest human being I've ever seen, he's still not big and strong enough to play professional football. Like I will just say the bills just drafted a kid who is six, seven, 300 pounds. and can bench 500 pounds. Jesus Christ. There are pictures of the bills draft picks from this weekend standing next to their coach that I swear it looks like it's in the fucking council of Elrond. Um, and it's like, they're all talking about how they're going to go after the ring. Like these people are huge. Anyway, I will say there's also in the reunion, Mark, when he thanks them for their love story, it is the most honest, I think Mark Wahlberg has ever been because it makes this, it, it makes this seem as if it's not just fucking torture porn. Like Julian and Kristen are the strongest argument yet for this being anything other than just like broadcasted sadism. And I yeah. think Mark was was deeply, deeply thankful. I think in his heart, he's like, that just bought us three more seasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, I mean, just everyone watching it was just like, oh. And I thought, you know, I was like, man, good for you, Chris and Julian, for like not showing up. You don't need to be a part of this. Don't get COVID so that you can watch Alexis yell at Kendall. They were also the only ones who I thought like fashion game was on point. Her white dress was like, gorgeous she looked beautiful he looked like his handsome aquaman self except he didn't look like he was being tortured which i thought really like improved his looks even more (laughs) and yeah then you know they had like a whole fucking video where like their families wept and now he can like fulfill the promise he made to her dead mother to keep her safe forever like which he just told right which he told her for the first time at the proposal. At the proposal, man. I was like, I'm pretty sure I've read this romance novel. The only thing that worries me is like, I'm just worried that like the producers were just jizzing in their pants when this happened. <laughs> like, how could they possibly have imagined they would get this much out of oh. these two kids? I mean, this is, this will never happen again. On ten- Like, this is like, right? This has got to be yeah. the apotheosis of the show. Like, they saved this beautiful relationship accidentally. Yeah, unless they're just going to start now just, like, Googling dead brothers and just, like, soliciting, soliciting their surviving friends and sisters. Oh, I mean, it just, I, it was, it was embarrassing. I cried. Dan cried. What are you, what are you going to do? She, she left it with, like, a big goddamn rock on her finger, which I'm sure Temptation Island paid for. So bless those kids. Here's my last Chris and Julian question. Who do you think is coming to the wedding? And do you think Kendall will crash? (laughs) What do you think? That's a great question. I wonder if she'll invite the women. I would think so. Slash Mark Wahlberg. I would think so. And maybe Corey. Maybe Tom. I mean, right? Tom ostensibly be Chelsea's date. That's the thing. If she invites the women, then presumably as long as they're still together. So that would mean everyone but Kendall gets to attend. And there's like no fucking way she's inviting Kendall. Though I'm imagining Kendall crashing and then Kendall just being in the back and asking somebody about Kristen, like what, like that moment in Parks and Rec where it's like, what's up with that girl in the white dress? You think think she's down to clown? It's like, she just got married. It's like, yo, that's the same girl. That's the girl from the thing. That's hilarious. (laughs) All right. I have a couple of big picture questions to just kind of. To kind of leave on and we'll, we'll try, we'll try to keep this a little bit short because we've already been, I was about to say going on for an hour. We've been going on for months. Yeah. <laughs> <We've> been, 
We have been t- we have been talking since like since the before times. So here's my first question. This is actually this is a listener question. This is from Voodoo Doll for Kendall thirty seven, and it is which which would hurt you more, Erica and Kendall getting back together or Julian and Al- <gasps> and Kristen breaking up? Oh, Voodoo Doll with the with the stab to the heart. I don't, how do you make that kind of choice? For me, it was sort of easy because it was my hope is that Erica and Kendall get back together and she just fucking knifes him in his sleeve. But maybe oh, that's but cheating. If, if that, I'm like, wait, is that our option where she pretends to get back together with him so that she can carry out an elaborate murder? Then that's fine. And he would have no idea. It would never no. occur to him. No, because he would be like, might as well try something new and see what's up. <laughs> <laughs> moron <laughs> here's another question here's another question that is going to be less less devastating um this one is this one is from mark Wahlberg for president 76 who do you think breaks up first thomas and chelsea or amanda and Corey? you mean aaron and Corey? i do man that's how, that's how. <laughs> you ship it <laughs> man i'm doing great with this but yeah who do you think breaks up first tom and chelsea or aaron and Corey? Aaron and Corey. Why? Because I think Tom and Chelsea actually enjoy bickering with each other. And that that's like a weird part of their chemistry in a way that Aaron and Corey, I think, genuinely make each other miserable. Like, I don't know. Do, what do you think? That makes that makes a lot of sense. My, my only thing is just like, I just feel like Corey and Aaron just, they act as if they have no control over their relationship. Like, they act like they're stuck in a time loop. And it just makes me wonder if they just entered into some weird, you know, the same blood pact with the sorceress that that set up your betrayal a couple episodes ago. (laughs) Like, they just seem, like, too stupid to disentangle themselves. And eventually, Tom will find a booty that he wants to smack. But, like, but Aaron is just now going to go find a soccer player. Like, I feel like... Corey and Aaron are exact. They're both exactly back where they started, both couples. But as you say, Tom and Chelsea seemed relieved to be back together. And I think she likes giving him shit about booty smacking. And he likes pushing her limits. And I could, they could be doing that when they're 60 goddamn years old. This next question is from Concierge of My Heart 45. And it asks, what are you going to remember most from this season? I mean, it's not an exciting answer, but like the fucking proposal at that, like that was, that was incredible. I'm like, I'm not kidding. I, I am sure I must have read a romance novel that ended with the hero fulfilling his promise to the heroine's <laughs> dead brother. Like I'm pretty, like, I, like it is legit a romance novel. So yeah, I mean, that was incredible. I'm going to remember that. And I, and I'm going to remember that amazing hat Erica wore when she was sad. I loved that hat. That shit cracked me up. What about you? I think I'm going to remember Tom more than anything, only because anytime I hear the word betrayal, <laughs> I'm now going to see his stupid face. And the other thing, I honestly, maybe this is recency bias, but I just really think I'm going to start like saying, I think you fucked up on your journey. Just like a lot. Like I'm going to say it to my dog. <laughs> like I just, I think there's a lot of great opportunities for it. It's a great line. I mean, I think it could be our podcast motto. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. It could be our, be our professional 
professional models too. All right. Um, last question, last question. And this one, this one is from, this one is from me. <laughs> Unlike the others. <laughs> Unlike the others. And the question is, what do you think the producers are going to want to do differently in the next season? What, what would you go into next season expecting you're going to see a little different than this season? I'm expecting more night vision sex. I feel like they were super bummed out that they didn't get to use their high-tech night vision equipment. Um, so I think they're going to look for, I mean, obviously the the way the show pretty much seems like it always breaks down is there's like supposed to be two couples you're hoping make it and two couples you're watching for the mess. Um, and they, they didn't, they didn't really manage to achieve the mess I think that they wanted and that that's what they're going to go for. Couples who are going to flirt and have sex with people have sex with different people in a way that stirs up drama in the house. Yeah, that's what I think. And they're going to be chasing that Julian and Kristen dream for the rest of their lives on the other side. But it's going to be, it's going to be really dark where they really try to lean in to find a similar backstory. And then it comes out three months after production wraps that the reason that the brother is dead is that the boyfriend character killed him. God. Dark <laughs> I know. I know. I apologize. Well, yeah, you know, I think you're right. I mean, actually, I just, I really wish I could be in a production meeting. Like when they get ready for casting for season four, like, man, maybe it's, again, I'm just thinking of the NFL draft, but in the same way that I would love, like a lifelong dream of mine, and this, this sounds very small, but this is just not something that they ever let happen would be to be in, in the room where it happens when they select the new players and just like hear what their thought process is. And I think I might even give that up to be able to participate in the casting of the next season of Temptation <laughs> Island and just be like, all right, we need this kind of psychopath. And we think that this kind of Instagram idiot is going to be that. That sounds amazing to me. Well, this was a beautiful journey. I'm so <laughs> glad we got to take, I'm so glad we got to be on this journey together uh, this process. I don't think we fucked up on this journey. <laughs> we made great choices. Here's the final question, though, because we have three options. Do you want to keep <laughs> podcasting together? Do you want to podcast alone? Or do you want to podcast with somebody else? I mean, I've gotten, obviously, a lot of offers <laughs> from other podcasters who want the kind of Mark Wahlberg impersonation that I bring. Um, but no, Daniel, I want to leave the podcast with you. That's fantastic one. I want to leave the podcast with you too and go forward <laughs> to our new life, recapping every single one of the Boxcar Children books. Um, for those of you who have enjoyed this, keep listening to our feed for continued coverage of Top Chef. And we're also going to get started on The Bachelorette when that starts. Um, Gwen just did a shimmy that you can't see. So just <laughs> Daniel, let it, let don't blow up my spot here. Let there be a shimmy, a shimmy in your heart. And for those of you who thought this was stupid, um, yeah, well, well, well judged. Well spotted. <laughs> All right, this is this has been fun, and like I said, we're gonna keep going with some other dumb reality shows. And do not worry, we'll be back for you when Temptation Temptation Island season four comes. Oh hell yeah! Stay tempted, friends. <laughs> Bye.